0: in the treetop all day long, hopping and and a song. All the little birds on robin, go robin'. And,
1: and welcome back to Dialogue De Novo, a podcast about ideas at Loyola University Chicago's School of Law. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Dialogue De Novo, and make sure to listen to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. On this episode, we have Amber Carpenter. Amber is a third-year law student at Loyola. She has served as the editor of the Consumer Law Review, a member of the Philip H. Corboy mock trial team, and has served as the president of the Black Law Students Association. With the help of Amber's leadership, Loyola's Bolsa won, that's the Black Law Student Association, won regional chapter of the year. During her tenure with the Corboy mock trial team, her team were finalists at both the Georgetown White Collar Crime mock trial competition and the Regional Texas Young Lawyers trial competition. Amber has an interest in both patent litigation and public interest law. During the summer of 2017, Amber was a summer associate at Marshall Gerstein. This past summer, Amber was a summer associate at McAndrews, Held, and Malloy. Amber is also given back to her community by volunteering at Cabrini-Green Legal Aid, working with criminal record, and has taught street law at Jenner Elementary, a small CPS school in the Cabrini-Green neighborhood. Amber graduated from Iowa State University in 2016 with a bachelor's in biology and we have her on today to discuss the Laquan McDonald murder and the guilty verdict of former officer Jason Van Dyke. So without further ado, here's the conversation between Jake, Amber and I. Welcome back to Dialogue De Novo. I'm Richard. I'm Jake. And I am late. And this week we have Amber Carpenter on to discuss the Laquan McDonald slash James uh, I keep saying James Jason Jason Van Dyke uh, police trial he just got a guilty verdict on Friday. Friday and here we are Amber thanks for coming on
2: yeah thanks for having me I'm excited guys right. so let's dive right in let's
1: start you said let's start in October twenty fourteen. Yeah you so. just go through
2: the
0: chronology
2: of it yeah. um so October twentieth twenty fourteen um, a 17-year-old named Laquan McDonald was walking on the west side of Chicago down a street called Pulaski. Um, <clears throat> now, just a little bit of background on Laquan, because I feel like, especially with this trial and the media of what they were trying to project him as, um, but just a little bit of background, things that I read. Mm-hmm. Laquan, um, he came from a broken family. He went through foster care, um, and so did his mom, which is quite sad. Um, it's
1: Actually, I'm, in the child walk, it's very common that, um, the parent would have gone through it too. Yeah. yeah, and
2: it's like a cyclical cycle. Yeah. Um, people said that he was a jokester, um, he liked to prank people, he was funny and charming, he liked to dance. Do you all know about the Bobby Shmurda dance? No. no okay well look it up um, yeah. listeners y'all can look it up too but that's just Reaching a dance that out. a lot of his friends just said that I when. phone's dead <laughs> right <laughs> you, well you threw it across the room yeah.
1: it was dead before <laughs> um, Otterbox get an Otterbox they're not a sponsor but they do make a great quality product I uh, cannot yeah. <laughs> um, Back Alright, yeah Like you we said we, we get off track <laughs>
2: But Laquan was a jokester He liked to joke around Have fun um, And he also had Of course A, a juvenile record um, He had been in and out Of detention um, About 17 times Um oh. And again, this just goes to, I I wanted to give that just background and context because it goes to like the cyclical cycle of people in these situations um, and and how they end up. Um, So back to October 20th, 2014, Laquan is walking down Pulaski um, and he has a knife in his hand. Apparently there was a call that, he was breaking into cars mm-hmm. um, so of course police are going to be called you know if you're breaking into cars carrying a knife of course yeah. you, <laughs> you can't do that <laughs> you cannot do that so it's no surprise that somebody called the police um, about this you know young boy who's walking down the street um so officers start to follow him and that was actually one of the pieces of evidence this video or i think it was sound i'm not sure how they got it in, but just the fact that officers were following him for about three minutes down the street. Laquan was just doing even what his friends call his little goofy walk, walking down the street with this knife, kind of like, I wouldn't, kind of, um, I don't know the word to use with the police, but he wasn't touching the car or anything, just, you know, kind of going back and forth with him. Um, so then, of course, they radio for backup. Wait, he walking down the
1: street with a knife in hand? With a knife okay. in
2: hand, yes. Um, he there was radio for backup in between, I'm not sure the timeline of this but mm-hmm. somehow in between this he also um, slashed a police officer's tires um, so I don't know if you all know the timeline very well but uh, I'm not sure when that happened it was, it was
3: uh, not documented on the dash cam video that everyone's seen right. so it must have been earlier in the altercation mm-hmm. that he attempted to slash tires or like there's allegations that he tried to stab the window or something. Right. I mean, uh, but I don't know on the
2: exact mm-hmm. line, to
3: answer your question. Was this, this was during the three
1: minutes that they were following him, or before?
2: I think this was like a, probably like a 20, 30 minute.
1: Yeah, okay. it, it was not a short.
2: Yeah. We only saw the
1: tail end yeah. of the video. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Had they been able to, Have they proven that he was even the one that slashed the tires?
2: Yes, I think so. I think
3: they were following him, and he turned around to the the cruiser and was slashing at the tires and slashing at the window. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's. Just, I think it would would be the same car that was that we eventually got the dash cam that yeah. Came from. Yeah. Because I don't think he was successful in like popping the tires or anything mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So,
2: Uh, We just know that he, like, lunged at it like he was trying to. Right, right. Um, And so um, one of the police officers that was on the scene, or one of them following them, um, asked for a taser. So I don't know how that process works with CPD, but basically they, like, radio in if anyone around the area has a taser, Mm -hmm. and then the first one who's the closest will come. They don't just keep one in a cruiser? No. That would
3: make too much sense. For some reason, I, I think that I don't know there why they are don't. very specific guidelines as to uh, officers that get there are. trained on tasers. And I guess, you know, they're expensive, and they're expensive to reload and everything. Um, so I, I don't know why that is the policy, but uh, it is a strange policy. Yeah. Because I...
2: I, we, I would think, but the amount would of artillery the, that they
3: have in those, in those cruisers, you'd think that... Anyway. Right, right. We can look into this, but yeah. uh, it's... I guess it's not a material fact to yeah. what actually happened. I right. mean, all we need to know is that right. there was no one on scene with a taser. Right. <laughs> all right, so they were asking for tasers.
1: So
2: they're asking for tasers, and they're also asking for backup. That's when Van Dyke and his partner get called. Mm-hmm. Um, so they get called in about 10 minutes after the initial call. Um, for a taser. For, I think, the initial call for like to the police like mm-hmm. about... This guy walking down the street, Laquan McDonald, you know, is trying to break into cars or whatever he, you know, people were saying he was doing. Um, So in the car, and this is a piece, a critical piece of evidence that the prosecution used in the car, Van Dyke told his partner, we're going to have to shoot this guy. Um, And you can see as, you know, law students how that could equal to premeditation, which Side note: That's not even part of the first-degree murder statute in Illinois, which is very interesting. But we can talk. Is not part we, of no, it's not. But we can talk about that later. I don't plan on practicing here. <laughs> <yet. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> think that like having
1: gone to law school here, would have been something I would have known. But, well, but it's not. Um, well, shame on you, Professor Dan. <laughs> no, we definitely learned <laughs> that in <base> Dane's class.
3: <laughs> Dane, if you're listening, you taught us that.
1: I must have <laughs> skipped
2: that day. There was, but, a, um, there was an emergency. But then, of course, left, right? this is kind of where the um, where the video kind of takes place, comes, you know, comes, uh, comes yes. in. So now um, Van Dyke and his partner have driven to the scene. Um, Van Dyke and his partner immediately get out of the car. Um, they yell at McDonald, who is now, um, I, I really suggest you guys to go look at the video, but um, Van Dyke is across, I would say literally just across from McDonald, and they're on a street, Um On each side of the street, on one of the sides, the side that the police are on, there's like a few establishments, like a Burger King. Um, I think there's some other types of establishments on that side, and then on the side that McDonald was closest to, there is a fence. Um, So McDonald is on that side, closest to the fence. He has this knife in his hand. Um, Officer Van Dyke is continually telling McDonald to drop the knife. Um, McDonald does not do that and walks towards the fence, so walks away from Van Dyke and ignores his commands. Um, Van Dyke then unloads his whole gun, 16 shots, um, within six seconds, that's the thing y'all, within six seconds of arriving on the scene. Mm -hmm. Van Dyke has shot Laquan McDonald 16 times. Um, And, if you look in the video, McDonald falls to the ground and Van Dyke keeps shooting and shooting and shooting and McDonald's body is just moving every single time that a shot enters his body. You can see the smoke coming out of each one of the places where McDo- where Van Dyke shot McDonald. Um, and then ambulance comes. Um, and he dies in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. Um, so that is. Well, it was declared
1: dead in the ambulance. My guess yes. is he was probably dead before they got there. So that yeah.
2: was actually a point of contention in the trial. Yeah, right.
3: right. I remember seeing this. Uh, I mean, part of a big part of it too is that he's on the ground at this point, like you said. Uh, Officer Van Dyke has unloaded his entire clip into Laquan McDonald, and nobody like even tries to render just rudimentary right. medical service. Right, Like, there's nobody who goes over to put pressure on the wounds right. or anything or uh, try to make sure that he's breathing. I mean, that's the most disturbing part. Mm. Well, I mean, it's all disturbing. Right. But it's the fact that people were just so apathetic after yeah. the shooting occurred. Mm-hmm. There's no justification for that. Right. Yeah.
2: The officers on the scene... They try to say that, you know, by the time they walked up to McDonald, he was taking his last gas of air. I mean, um, I just don't even know how you would know that. Yeah. Like, you're not a medical. Good.
3: Is it, is yeah, it good? Good. Okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, not a medical professional, but. Some
1: of them are trained EMTs. I
3: think that's part of police training, though. It is, yeah. Yeah. You, you, you get trained in critical emergency
0: yes. care. Yeah. Yeah.
2: and that is actually I have CPD's use of force. Um,
1: That's also an interesting policy be in because at that point, at that point, it's gone from being a, um, it's gone from being a arrest scene to being a, well, it is now the crime scene. So I don't even know what you would. I, I mean, obviously, you would tend to. Laquan McDonald, but I don't know what you would do as far as, do you, did they arrest him immediately? No. Didn't, they didn't arrest him
3: for like a year yeah. until right. the
1: videotape yeah came out.
2: Let's get there. Okay. Let's <laughs> go, right, let's, 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 let's let's, go in to order. You were about to touch on
3: the, on the policy, which I'm interested to hear about. Yeah,
2: so um, I'll have to bring it up, um, and I can do that in a second, but there's a policy that at a, certain, at a certain point in time, the police actually do, in fact, have to render medical aid. Um, and I don't I want to find that so I can tell you guys specifically.
1: I wonder if that's...
3: Um, I mean, I would, uh, my thought would be is that uh, it wasn't immediately apparent to, I think... I mean, there are some officers who I'm sure were like, this is messed up. But it's not immediately apparent that it's going to be a crime scene. And even if it were obvious. I mean you still render medical care. Right. I mean if Almost you walk same, up, man, yeah, yeah, if you walk up on like a potential homicide and the victim is still on the ground breathing. Yeah. Like you you, you make it not a, do, a homicide yeah. if you can. Yeah. Right? yeah. So it, yeah.
2: so the CPD's policy says that they may provide appropriate care so it, doesn't say must. it says it doesn't say must and yeah. we all know about the differences between mandatory versus discretionary language yeah. and the word may is clearly discretionary saying that the police don't have to provide appropriate care unless they feel the need to so right that's a side a side note um <clears throat> so um should we continue down the line of the the timeline that we're going yeah down? absolutely yeah um so Now it's October 20th, Laquan McDonald was dead. Um, Let's talk about what the police did after this. So the police all had to write reports about the incident and all of their reports were strikingly similar. Um, All of them said that Laquan brought his knife up, which we know from the video that that's not true. His knife stayed at his side the whole time.
1: Yeah, it looked like he brought brought it out.
2: Yeah. yeah, but he didn't bring it up towards yeah. police officers like the reports say. Yeah. Um, That he walked towards the police officers, which the the jury and the video says that that's not true. That he walked. He testified
1: that he, that he Van Dyke testified that he had turned his torso and started walking towards him, and that was odd to me. Considering, yeah, there you can see in the video that's just not true. Yes, and that's what yeah. the
2: jurors said. You know, in yeah. all their interviews, like he's clearly lying to us Um, and then also the saying that van dyke backpedaled and he like when laquan apparently walked towards him that he went back that wasn't true Mm -hmm. and then also that after laquan mcdonald you know first got shot that he tried to get up and try to go towards the officers and we know from the video that he just took this laid there taking those 16 shots Um, so those are all the things that these officer reports said and we know contradicted the video also, there was lieutenants in CPD who were walking around with pieces of paper saying, hey, if you get asked about what happened on October 20th, this is the statement you should say. And it said all that language that I just said about bringing the knife up, about Van Dyke p- backpedaling, all those things, literally lieutenants were walking around giving people paper statements. Now, I'm not sure if this is the typical of Wait, were what... they,
1: were they asked? Were they asked to give those statements? as part of the official
3: police report, or if the people in the news asked? I'm not sure about the Probably a subsequent investigation, I think. Yeah. Yeah. All officer involved shootings have to be investigated by internal affairs.
1: Yes, right. they do. But I like if it was the if it were if they were given those statements to people in case that people at C P D were asked by the police or by the news, I would see that like this is our official statement. But if it's trying to screw with an investigation, yeah, it's like, I, I don't terrible. think
3: it was that calculated in terms of the outward looking media because right. I don't even think this case got nearly as much media attention until the video was yeah. released. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's,
1: that's yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm.
2: So that's kind of what was going on within CPD. Um, Rahm Emanuel, who is the current mayor of Chicago, but not for long, because he um, recently said that he's not running again for his third. It is <laughs> the reason. It's clearly the reason. There's a few
1: other people too. There's like the head of the. the I think the sheriff is not run. Is has stepped down. I and could see that. A couple other very important. Uh, very high up, people have like either stepped down or said that they're not running for re-election. Yes. And it, because of how bad they bungled
2: us, yeah. yeah. And that's another reason why Kim Fox, our current state's attorney, is the state's attorney. Because Anita Alvarez, the previous state's yeah, attorney, is a part yeah. of this kind of cover-up. And Kim actually ran, basically... On Laquan McDonald's case, if you look back to her, like, you know, running, yeah. like, she was saying that she was not going to do the things that Nina Alvarez did in response to, you know, this 17-year-old being shot. Yeah. Um, so I find that interesting how literally this one black boy changed politics in Chicago drastically. Mm. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, we hope it sticks, right? Right. Um, so, Rom, back to, so he's the current mayor, um, and he was the mayor at the time. Um, he lied and said that he didn't know about the shooting for hours, but um, emails were released about right Oof. around the time that, um, right, those emails. Um, <laughs> <laughs> emails were. <laughs> I've,
1: never, I've never understood why politicians think that there's not a public record kept in what they do. I don't, like, that... Or just, like, politicians very really
3: misunderstanding what email
2: is. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, we're gonna read that stuff. Yeah. Um, but basically... <laughs> but what's
1: the, what were the guys' names that were doing, the, that had the affair in the FBI? Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. Peter and Lisa and Page. Lisa Page like, yeah. Why they they were texting on their FBI phones so that their spouses wouldn't see it on their regular phones? <laughs> How stupid can
2: you be? That like, doesn't make any sense.
1: Who are you more worried about getting caught by your spouse or the FBI? <laughs> I don't know.
2: Anyway, so uh, protect your emails, ladies and gentlemen. But basically, <laughs> uh, basically there was emails that went out saying that he knew immediately as soon as the. Um, Shooting had occurred. Ram was made aware, um, and it's clear that he tried to cover it up. Now we know that because of City Council settlement. So do you all know about the settlement that Laquan McDonald's family received? No, no. Don't okay. That, yeah. So um, shortly after, I would say I don't know the dates, but um, it was in months after Laquan McDonald was shot. Um, rather, C- or not CPD. City Council actually approached Laquan McDonald's family and said, "We want to give you five million dollars about the shooting. We're so sorry." However, there's a caveat. If we give you this 5000 or, ooh, I said $5,000, <laughs> 5000000 Not $5,000, 5000000 million. If we give you this $5 million, you cannot release the video. That was in the settlement that the family signed for $5 million from city council saying that you cannot release this video. The,
1: the family didn't have the video.
2: The family was able to see the video. After. So the family actually saw the video before we all did and didn't want it to be released because they were worried about how it's going to affect their city. They didn't want to see their city burn. And we know that that is a possibility, and yeah. they didn't oh, yeah. want that. So the family purposely, you know, at that time they were thinking that, oh, we're on the same page of city council. We don't want to see our yeah. city going up in flames. So, you know, we're going to sign this caveat. We don't want the video out. So and I know a lot of people, you know, are like, why would they take this settlement? Um, but because again,
1: it's $5 million. <laughs> thank you. And like sh-
2: looking
3: so
1: much me as
2: someone who is only a 3rd year law student, I already know that, they could have gotten a lot more than five. More, we really? all know they could have gotten a lot more than five million dollars. But to the average human, especially someone who's coming from that neighborhood, who doesn't have an it. education, who doesn't know really what, like, who doesn't even know the facts of the situation, right?
1: Who, who went through child protective services? Who was in a scenario where her child also went through child protective services? Like, I don't know. I don't want to make assumptions, but yes, it's not usually upper class,
3: you know, but. They're not usually very wealthy, so right? Anything fields. that just got me out of that area, yeah, wow. <laughs> like I'm yes. a alien. Exactly. yeah, exactly. And
2: so, so yeah, so they took the money with the caveat that the video cannot be released. So now. Let's. This is about a year later uh-huh. um, And there was a cop Within CBD who was the whistleblower oh. So a lot of people don't know that That there I was actually know. a Chicago police officer Who actually reached out to a Civil rights attorney who then reached out To the journalist whose kind of name I forget the journalist's name Who has kind of been the one whose name has been in the media about getting yeah. uh, you know getting this case out but it was the cpd officer who went to a civil rights attorney who then reached out to that journalist so um i appreciate the chicago police officers who because you know we all know that not all officers are bad like that's clearly true mm-hmm. and there are, are officers who are inside the system who want change so i appreciate that um, so then the journalists Started digging, traveling to, you know, try to figure out what happened, started knocking on doors um, of people who he knew were um, witnesses, um, asking around who were witnesses, you know, going to their houses. And um, one interview, the journalist said that people were so afraid of him because they were saying, if you found out who I was, the police are going to. Because another thing is that the which is another critical part of the prosecution's case is that there were so many witnesses that the police failed to ask questions to. Mm -hmm. And it's it's practice that you sh- you need to ask everyone who saw this what happened and they didn't and we clearly know why um right. and so this journalist went out and asked those people and they were afraid because they knew that the police you know they they assumed that the police maybe would come back and get them or you know harm them if they found out that they were helping this journalist um, so then um Journalists the
1: journalist they're putting their lives in jeopardy just by talking to
2: people oh know? absolutely yeah um so then that journalist contacts uh, Will um, Calloway, who is um, a Chicago uh, community activist. You guys have probably seen his face on the news if you don't know his name. Um, and he has been the forefront of literally this this case. Um, and he, he actually- a jacket? I don't know. Okay. He has, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but um, he actually filed, um, sued the city. Um, oh. We know the, how the Freedom of Information Act works. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And he sued the city to get the um, video out. Um, And then the judge ruled in their favor clearly and said that you have, and told the city of Chicago that you guys have five days to release this video. Now, imagine the government is in a panic, literally. Like (laughs) everyone is freaking out because they know that this video is about to be released, doing the same thing that we heard this week about, you know, telling everyone not to. don't you know? Don't don't rebel and don't burn your city down and all these things that they think that we're animals and we're going to literally destroy the city. Um, so of course you know that's that rhetoric going in the in you know in the media. Mm-hmm. Um, Anita Alvarez, the past Cook County State's Attorney, she charged Dyke with first degree murder before that um, video came out, in hoping to um, oh. try to decrease. You know, that's so scummy. The you know, <laughs> t- you know, that's she was so she was yeah. trying to you know decrease anger and tension by saying, "Okay, guys, look, I'm going to charge him with first degree murder. All right, everything's before cool." Before the video came out, before yeah. within, within this five days.
1: Oh god, <laughs> that's so. That's like i let a go, guy go, walk the streets You can out. see
0: so
3: you
2: can see why Anita, Anita Alvarez does not have her positioning. Yeah. <laughs> you
3: want to get brownie points after letting some guy walk around for oh, That's year. like the worst way you could possibly
2: handle yes. that information. <laughs> So then, Rom also then,
1: had... At that point, you say we're launching another investigation. You don't go and arrest the guy because all it says to anyone is we've just been letting him walk.
2: Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, no, okay. for sure. Um, one more thing. Rom also had these little secret meetings where he was calling important groups to city hall to kind of like try to um, talk to them before the video came out. So he talked to activists who no one went. Will was one of those activists that was called and he was like, I'm smart enough to not go to this meeting. And then um, he also talked to black priests and um, pastors who were in on the west and south sides. Um, And some of them came. And you know what he told them? He said, don't come to me asking for stuff, so don't come all the way to City Hall asking me for stuff if you're not going to try to defuse the situation for me.
3: What does that even mean? <laughs> right? <How did> you- <laughs> so
2: he basically said, if you don't help me, I'm not going to do anything you ask for, right? And so now reverence and, you know, pe- people are upset. that's how government
3: works. <laughs> right? <laughs> God,
2: so God, this you know. is all within... <laughs>
1: I really hope there's another side of the story because it just sounds like everyone did everything exactly I wrong. mean,
2: there's I probably see. information that I don't know, but I'm okay, telling yeah, you the stuff that, that, that like, makes that makes yeah, my blood boil. Because so
1: far, so far, it's just so bad. I did not know all these details. Yeah. And he, he basically, it's extortion. It's <laughs> legal extortion. No. Don't ask me for favors if you're not going to do me this. Like, uh, and I
2: guarantee, you, you know, he said it in a way that wasn't as blunt as the way I just said it, but yeah. that's what he was insinuating during sure. that yeah. meeting. Yeah. Um, so now... The, again, that's all within five days of when the judge ruled that that video needed to be released. Uh-huh. We're now on November twenty-fourth, two thousand fifteen, almost over a year after Laquan McDonald was shot. It was when that video was released to Chicago, and I remember that day. I remember seeing that video and being traumatized. I'm. It was near. I remember. I don't think it was on Thanksgiving, or it was near Thanksgiving, yeah. um, and I just remember being traumatized. And that's something that a lot of people were worried about. The video is the trauma. That it's gonna cause, especially on black and brown people who live in those neighborhoods who go through this police brutality every single day of their lives, to see another black male die 16, you know from sixteen shots could be traumatic. Um, and that's something that's a whole other conversation about yeah. trauma within our communities. Um, so there was protests similar to the ones that were th- this weekend on uh, Michigan Avenue uh, yeah. on Black Friday they shut down everything. Stores reported that they had between 20 to 40% lower um, income Mm -hmm. than they normally did had because of the protests that were on Magnificent Mile. And if you don't know, Magnificent Mile is um, a street on Chicago that has all the really nice stores like Prada, Gucci. um, And it's a big deal on Black Friday. Yes, it's right right next to the law school.
3: One of the most concentrated shopping centers in the world. It's
1: also, one of the there's a very high police concentration here. I did not. It, it, um, I don't want to get into specifics, but I know somebody who is in the middle of. He's basically being he, being extorted by the, uh, Farrakhan Nation Islam. Yeah. And he would stay at the Hilton right over here because of how well secured the Hilton is. Because he was afraid
3: of that. Yeah. I just want to clarify what you're saying, just so I understand. Yeah. This area of the city has a higher police concentration. It's very yeah high okay. police concentration. Yeah, right. so like because the they goal. want
2: they want. I'll be honest. They yeah. want these rich white women who are coming to shop to feel safe.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Well, I mean, if there's so if there's actual statistics on that, I'd be curious to know what that is yeah. in terms of policing of different neighborhoods of Chicago. Yes, yeah. that's uh, yeah. that's
2: they, also yeah. a whole another conversation. Yeah. I don't know specifics.
3: I just know. Yeah, he would say that,
1: that Hilton. I think it's a Hilton over here because of how. Yeah, security yeah.
0: okay,
3: police. okay. That yeah. makes it makes sense. Like, yeah. I mean, it's I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong, but I mean, I've always thought that I observed more police officers in this area of the city, but I wasn't just sure if it was because I just spend more time here, so mm-hmm. I noticed more police officers. But yeah, I actually had a debate about this the other night, and I was like, I have no idea what the statistics are, but
1: it's not uncommon. Like, You're the uh response time i've lived in la for a while you know the response time in beverly hills west oh, you call me. you call police they're there in two minutes or they're fine
2: wow that is not <laughs> the south That's and west insane, sides crazy. of chicago crazy right. Thing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. that is not the case right um so, austin actually yeah. the city it's like the neighborhood there's like some sort of organization they're called like the neighborhood of Austin Council, something like that. Austin is in a neighborhood on the west side of Chicago. They actually sued um, the city for um, under-policing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and that's another debate that is like a whole other yeah. conversation about what is better, under-policing or over-policing? And I don't think that we have found that answer yet. Right. Um, but the, it's definitely neither one of those are okay.
3: Yeah. No. no. I mean, yeah. it's just not an economic way to distribute resources. Right, right. Um, you said something really quick, which I want to ask you about because I didn't hear about it uh, before we get back to your timeline. Uh, which is, you said that there were protests on Black Friday when the video were released on Michigan Ave, mm-hmm. similar to the protests that happened this weekend. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear about any protests this weekend, so yeah, yeah. So where where were those? So they
2: were all over the city. Um, Actually, our Black Law Student Association president Kamaya Davis was. Her picture is literally going around the country because there's a picture of her with her fist up, standing like right. Um, It's kind kind of near Pearson on Michigan Avenue. Oh really? Um, So she arrested? No, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but people. I know people who were protesting uh,
1: the Kavanaugh
2: Uh confirmation. Like. Oh, God, recipe. oh my gosh, it's like, what What do we protest this weekend? But people were not, <laughs> I think a lot of people were not protesting, I think it was more of a celebration. Okay, alright. Yeah. I think the word that should be used is just celebrating and gatherings yeah. that were happening. Yeah, like a uh, show of unity. Yes, type. a show of unity, uh, like it was a celebration, um, and yeah, so those were the protests that were happening. I didn't
3: leave my apartment at all this weekend, not because I thought there were going to be protests, but just out of happenstance uh, and I didn't I didn't hear about anything that's not so that's interesting yeah I'm glad that they weren't violent
2: yeah you know? no there was no violence um, this well, weekend could have gone very different it could have gone very, <laughs> very different yeah. and we can talk about later if we think that had an effect on what the jury's findings were but oh yeah <laughs> anyways um, so now the video's out
0: mm-hmm.
2: now let's just talk about the fallout from the video Let's like we've already talked about people who've left. Like we know that Ram isn't running for mayor. Uh-huh. We know Anita Alvarez is voted out. But also the lead investigator of police shootings was also fired. That after was this yeah, time. that was not, um, so many other. There's like a list that I read online somewhere of all these people who have left or have been fired or have been wow. voted out <laughs> <laughs> um, since this video um, was released. Also officers. Like how have they? How have their work? been impacted by this um officers are saying that they have more paperwork um that they feel disrespect from the community which is true yeah. um I, I you know i know that they probably feel disrespected um and so as a result stops of cbd have dropped by to 80 by 80 percent so they have dropped by 80 percent in
0: really? the year
2: of 2016 yes and in the year of 2016 crime increased naturally but especially increasing in the city, but especially so in the that, city. It's like so, yeah. so people are asking like, why you know why is this the case? And it's clear because now officers have stopped policing properly, and to be honest, I think people criminals have taken advantage of that. Yeah. You know, it's if I was a criminal, I would. you know yeah. if an like an officer stopping someone and they might have a gun, you might be saving someone's life. You know what I'm saying and. Um, that's another thing. Murder clearance rates, like they have apparently um, dropped because people don't want to be helpful with the police. If police, pe- if people see a shooting, they don't they don't feel comfortable to go tell the officer who it was because they have a they're scared. Like that's a whole right, nother yeah. situation. And also they're now scared of the police, which they have always been, but now you know it's in the forefront. So,
0: sure. yeah,
3: uh, there's like a crime statistic from last year, in like the south and west side it's some ridiculous percentage of murders go unsolved. It's like in the 80% range, which means that you have an eight out of 10 chance of getting away with murder. It's crazy. It's insane. It's so sad. (laughs) And I think
2: that goes, I think that there's two sides to that coin. Like I said before, people don't want to be helpful and that's Mm -hmm. not okay. Mm -hmm. I need us as a people to want to help the police because that's how we're going to get the bad ones behind bars, right? Right. But on the other side, You have to make us want to feel comfortable around us, around you, right? Right. So it's this pull and push that I think the community is having with the police and why, you know, that's why the statistics look the way they do.
3: Yeah, I mean, the fact that they're sending fewer officers into dangerous parts of the city, I think that that definitely not only breeds a fear of being shot by police, but also just... Why aren't you here when we need you? Right. So, like, why would we reach out to you? Like, we're just gonna take care of this ourselves. So, it becomes this kind of vigilante system of like, we're just gonna handle our own problem. Yeah. You know, but th- it's a self perpetuating cycle because yeah. no business is gonna wanna go into communities like that. There's just gonna be no acti- economic activity. I mean, this is yeah. why we have food deserts all over the city. Yes. So, it's just, it's just a downward race to the bottom. I yeah. mean, it's not, it's not a good
2: situation, it's a cycle.
3: Yeah, and I don't see how we get out of it. And that's
2: the thing. It's like, how do we get out of it? Yeah. I'm, I'm in um, police accountability, which is a great class. Uh, professor uh, Stephen Russian is. Or is it Stephen? Is it Stephen? It's Steven. Stephen, Stephen yeah. Russian. I've
3: out of Evidence. He's he's
2: awesome. He's such a good professor. Yeah. Um, but I've learned so much in the class, um, and that's kind of one of the questions that we're always asking ourselves: like, what is the right answer? Mm-hmm. And I don't think anyone knows it yet. It's not obvious. But we have to. We have to try. Yeah. Right. And then we have to figure it out.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. but let's let's move well, on yeah, let's um, keep
0: going. <laughs> so okay, there is also yes or, yeah.
2: <laughs> so then of course you know the video is going around all the internet people will now know um and Laquan McDonald's name is now up there with names like Freddie Gray Trayvon Martin you know names that Michael Brown names that we know in the community who have been shot by police and now he's one of those um I wouldn't even I don't know icons definitely not the word to use but um I don't even know the word, but oh, y'all what it know what it is. Simple. It's simple, yes. it's what you're trying to say. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so DOJ now yeah. has taken interest in Chicago. Uh-huh. So under 1441, um, or 14141, not 1441, um, this is a United States law that basically allows um, the Department of Justice to come into a state police department and figure out what's going on and then basically make them give equitable relief or some sort of um other remedy about the issues that they have yeah. and the only way that they can do this if they see if the DOJ finds a pattern or practice of unconstitutional behavior within that police department Has That report come out yet? yeah so that report came out in January of 2017 that report came out so that report came out in January of 2017 now let's uh-huh. remember what timelines look like when did Donald Trump become president January. <laughs> Okay, yeah, this is, this is all so before. Loretta Lynch, literally, I think, I don't even know, I, I think she probably made sure that before she left, that this report was out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she put the report out, and now it's the Department of Justice's responsibility to provide that equitable relief. So they have this, like, very, very long report about all the issues and the patterns and practices that CPD are doing that are unconstitutional. Um, and. I have, like, the spark notes if you want me to get into that. Please, yeah. Okay. No, that'd
1: be great. Um, Haven't heard that term in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Pull up the spark
2: notes. <laughs> Cliff notes, same thing. Um, so just a few of the key findings from this report that was released. Um, I said 2017. I'm sorry. I meant um, 2016, um, January of 2016. Your
1: hands down, though. Best prepared guest we've had
2: so far. So basically, there are some key findings from the report. So, CPD, um, they shoot at fleeing suspects who pose no threat. Mm -hmm. Um, Clearly, we see that um, all the time. Um, The department uses dangerous tactics to get information, like literally, this is a quote. CPD will take a young person to a rival gang neighborhood and either leave that person there or display the youth to rival members, immediately, immediately putting the life of that young person in jeopardy by suggesting that he has provided information to the police. That is a That's quote <laughs> from the report from the Department of Justice about CPD. That's
3: the most heinous thing I've ever heard. So you want me to tell you what? I didn't, I didn't hear so
2: basically, CPD words. will take someone who that they've just questioned and drop them off in a rival gang neighborhood or leave them there and display display to the public that hey this person was just with us and now we're dropping him off and now you're putting that person's life in danger suggesting that he provided information to the police Oh, my God. That's, that's number two. I'm on number two, okay? Let's go to number three. Police that's officers. Like the, it, does it get worse? It gets worse. <laughs> oh, God. Let's keep going. Okay. Police officers in nonviolent encounters often use tailors to defuse situations. What did I say? Taser. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they <Tasers>. use. <laughs> they, they walk up to the criminal and they, they cuff his, his leg pants.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, they use tasers to defuse situations yeah. when they don't. Now, in Laquan McDonald's situation, we wish that they would have used that Taser. Yeah. And that, that's another point that prosecution used in their case is that that car was 30 seconds away. With that taser. Yeah. If Van Dyke would have waited 30 seconds, that car would have been there, and they could have simply tased McDonald.
1: Really, Van Dyke would have stayed in his car, too. Yes. Or just, like,
2: (laughs) maybe never would have gone into the police academy. You could have done that, too, Van Dyke, but you didn't. Um,
1: (laughs) There's part, every time I've seen anything with him, by the way, I am so hesitant to pass judgment on him because he just has the face and the look of a guy who did it. Oh, he and did like, that you're shit. You're not supposed to judge, you know, not supposed to judge a book by its cover, or whatever. But like, for his arrest, his his mugshot, him in court, everything, it, you just look at it. Oh, like, and yeah. You're like, you you
2: totally did it. And the jury, and the jury talked yeah. about that in their interviews the, after. That ju- he looks like a guilty person. <laughs> not that, but just his demeanor in the courtroom. Right. right? right yeah. They just they didn't like him, you know. Yeah. Um. But anyways. <laughs> we we're, we're, we're back to the Department of Justice um, findings yes. um, so number four police officers are not required to provide details of their use of force so after they use force um, they don't have to automatically report that incident I don't know. I think there's probably a level of like if this happens then you have to report it. Right. But if it's simply this, you don't need to write was, it down. What does force uh, mean? Yeah, I was gonna
3: say I'm sure that discharge of a firearm is different than like, like
2: Right. A guy so a like had the guard exactly. Guard, yeah. Yeah. Right. That might be something that they're not required to document. Yeah.
1: I could understand that. The because yeah, that would be overly people burned, people so. resist arrest sometimes. Right. That just happens. Right. So like I could understand discharging and then Yeah, okay. But um, yeah. Huh?
2: Number five. I'm thinking. <laughs> Investigators looking into complaints don't always do much investigating. And that's something that also is important to understand, that the people who are doing these investigations, uh-huh. although it's technically an independent agency, how much independence does that agency really have in the situation? It's like the Solicitor
1: General. Am I using our term? So it's, um, it's called the
2: Chicago Police Accountability Task Force. I might be making that up. Um, But it's something something (laughs) like that. That Rahm Emanuel has. He's also made a new one Um, since since this since the Laquan McDonald issue. He's he's made a whole new one. So I think that's the name of the new one, or that might be the name of the old one.
3: It's still kind of the question of, like you said, don't bite the hand that feeds you. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Um, there's baseless police assault and battery charges, so officers file baseless charges against victims and other witnesses um, to their own mis- misconduct. That
1: doesn't surprise
2: me. Um, which is crazy. Number yeah. seven. Um, it's o- terrible, but it does
1: not surprise <laughs> me in the slightest Yeah.
2: There's this video that they are using that's 35 years old that's talking about when to use deadly force. Oh. So the video <laughs> that all of our officers are watching is literally 35 years old. Uh, and it's it was made prior to key Supreme Court decisions that we could talk about later um, about when to use force. So now this new law is not even in the video that folks are watching. Right? Oh, yeah, uh,
3: this is like pre-Rodney King and everything too, where that changed the police department policies across the country. Yeah.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. Oh man. That's- It's worse than like showing your 35-year-old sex and tape, like, (laughs) which things have changed. (laughs) I'm so disturbed by that. (laughs) Like, (laughs) disgusting. I mean, it's a terrible comparison, but like, you get what I'm saying. I think I might. It was the 80s, things were different. A decade-old, we'll let it slide, but 35 years
0: go (laughs) forward.
2: Number eight, there's no meaningful supervision of officers. Um, So managers are not held accountable for failing to report misconduct. Um, And as you know, there's this code of silence that was all throughout Loretta Lynch's Loretta Lynch's report about mm-hmm. this code of silence that officers have, and that kind of goes into that. Um, and then number nine, which is to no surprise, the effects that all of these policies have on black and Latino residents. Um, complaints filed by white individuals were two and a half times more likely to be sustained than black and Latino individuals. Um, CBD use forced-
1: They're more likely to be sustained or reported? They use the
2: word sustained.
1: So that's the word investigated. Oh, that's
3: horrible. (laughs) Um,
2: CPD uses force almost 10 times more against blacks than whites. Um, And so these are all, that's kind of the spark notes, like I said, of what this report found. And again, we would have never had this report unless this video was released. So now I want to talk about what this report means. So normally, Now, the first part of that statute that I said, 14141, says that, okay, DOJ can come into the police department and figure out if there's a pattern or practice of unlawful behavior. That's what they did. Now, the second part of that is now the DOJ, the attorney general, specifically can act on that report. Mm -hmm. So again, I set that timeline of when did Donald Trump become president, right? This report was (laughs) released. Wait, am I doing my math wrong?
1: You said released January 27, 2017. He was... No, 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 2016. 2016. It was, right? was released June 2016, was the report? Yeah. I thought the the Thanksgiving was
3: broken in on November
1: See, I
2: don't know why. See, this says 2016, but I'm pretty sure it's 2017.
3: I feel like the uh, report would take longer to put together than a year. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, if we're going off when the video was released. Oh, it's not that hard to prove. Oh, it's Everything.
2: 2017, you guys. Okay. Okay. I'm All sorry. Right. So okay. they started in 2016. The report was released 2017. That makes it much more thing. sense. That makes much more much-
1: the next protests on Magma were probably... 2016 or 16, 15. no, 15, 15. Yeah. yes, no, 15. The year after he was shot. shot. That yes, yeah. yeah,
2: yes, okay. that makes sense. Yeah. I'm sorry for the it confusion. <laughs> it's yeah. all right, it's all right. Um, yeah. He
1: was shot in 2014. So this is a, a week year. before... It was, it, they went a year before they even arrested. Yeah, that makes, the, the timeline's... Yes, yeah.
2: so a week before Trump's inauguration, these reports are released. Okay. And now, now a month so up. in Feb. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, in February, a month after, Trump is in presidency, Jeff Sessions, um, who is now the Attorney General of the United States, he announces to the public that he is going to pull back on any federal civil rights issues in local police departments.
1: Even though they already declared that civil rights
2: fall under federal jurisdiction? He announced in this little memo that he was going to pull back. Now, this is just a month after the report has been released to the public. Had he been installed yet yeah yes that's it took a while
1: to get him in remember because that woman was in and she got her Andrew. Uh, that woman got fired and then there was interim i forget what her name was oh no that was the FBI. i'm wrong yeah that was with christopher Ray when they fired coming there's mccabe and then i forget what the woman's name was and she leaked something and she got fired for that it didn't matter move on yeah um
2: <laughs> I mean, okay you know, Richard <laughs> four, thank you for that a, so lady. helpful uh, uh, um, <laughs> so. as you can
0: tell
1: i being an hour and a half
2: late yeah y'all he was an hour and a half late but we're not going to talk about it I, don't cut this um, leave it in
1: I'm going to buy you something, lunch, something. Oh,
2: I'm, yeah. I'm going to feel awful I like coffee um, so <laughs> Now, you like
0: stick with your Go ahead. <laughs> oh I do. Um, so now
2: we are in August of 2017. Um, so we're that's this was January. Now we're in August. Um, Illinois Attorney General Lisa Madigan filed a lawsuit in federal court, requesting the judge to oversee police reform in Chicago. So because she saw a lack of everything, <laughs> of <Right>. anything, <laughs> yeah. um, from the federal government, Lisa Madigan, our attorney general, stepped in. Didn't she? Isn't she a loyal grad?
3: I don't know, but that's that'd be.
1: Awesome. I think she is, um, no,
2: no, 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 or no. at least her daddy is. I'm not sure, but um, Eric
1: h- hates him. hates Mike Madigan and thinks it's so dirty that he his daughter starting into sorry. My roommate <laughs> Eric Hendricks, which I probably shouldn't have just said his name, but whatever. But <laughs> he he, like, he thinks Mike Madigan is like the dirtiest person, and
2: if everything he tells me is true, he is the dirtiest person. Yeah, I'm life. not really too. I don't know too much about that family. Yeah. I just know that sometimes it's a little a little yeah. cloudy.
3: Loyal alum, loyal alum, man. Is so, she yeah. a loyal alum? Did you see? Let's see. Yes, she is. Yes. <laughs> Shout out to Lisa. Hey, Lisa. Come
2: on the pod. <laughs> right. You can come on my podcast, girl. Um, well, if you're listening,
1: and you're probably not. <laughs> I apologize.
2: Okay. So basically, um, Lisa Madigan filed that lawsuit because she didn't see anything happening in the federal sphere. Sure. Um, so then, now fast forward to July of this year. Um, Ron, Ram, and Madigan finally proposed this first draft of this consent decree. So, as of now, as of July of this year, nothing has happened from this DOJ report, but it seems like with the help of, you know, with some federal intervention from a judge, mm-hmm. that is gonna change. I'm not sure what the future looks like with that. Um, so, yeah, I think that's like pretty much brings us to the trial.
3: Okay. Can we take a quick break so I can get a bottle of water? Yes. Okay.
0: All right. We'll be back in one second.
3: And we're back. All right. We're still here with Amber Carpenter. We're just about to get into the trial phase of the Laquan McDonald story. Amber, take it away.
2: Yeah, so the trial started in September of 2018, so about a month ago. We're in 2018, right?
3: Yes, still. Yep. (laughs) Like, never know. All year. I never
2: know the years. It
1: seems like, yeah, it seems like since Trump has gotten elected, everything's going both really fast and really slow. No, literally. I don't like... That was so long ago, but he's done seven things since then, yeah. Do you guys know
2: that meme of Spongebob when he was like, have you seen that meme? Uh
3: Uh-uh. No. No. I'm a little too old for Spongebob, but... It came out when I...
2: How old are you? Uh,
3: I will be 27 in, like, a couple weeks.
2: Okay, and you're saying you're too old for Spongebob? I was, like, in middle school when Spongebob. Spongebob came out in 98. Yeah, it
1: came out when when we were eight. I I just remember watching the first episode and thinking, this is stupid, this is never going to go anywhere. Oh, my God. And I never watched it again, and I was sometimes i'm wrong that was, <laughs> that was one of the few times
2: <laughs> really, Richard <Bridges> was wrong <laughs> that was really really wrong <laughs> is great okay uh, so anyways i feel like that's what mean but anyways so let's talk about the key parties in the trial yes um so the judge is vincent gone he's a actually a pla- a past um, um public defender Okay. Which is very unusual, especially for Cook County, because most of the judges are past state's attorneys. Mm. Um, so that's a interesting outlook that he now has on this case. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people say that he had an erratic temperament, and that's kind of that was seen, I would say, in the trial as well. Um, and he also has this like really weird story that I read about um, I don't know if you guys want me to get into it but please <laughs> basically this was he during law school so he went to DePaul mm-hmm.
0: um,
2: he was living in Chicago with his parents I guess he had some sort of mental breakdown where he took the rifle in his house and shot through his window at his neighbors um, twice they called the police they're standing in the living room talking to the police officer. He shoots at them through that window. So now there's like, I think there was like four or five shots total. Um, now police are surrounding his house. His dad is outside, like begging the police not to shoot him. Um, and he asks for two things. First, he asks for an Irish lieutenant. And if we know CPD, that's very easy to find. Uh-huh. Um, and then he also asks for a priest. So those two parties, oh, geez. those two parties walked into that room, and everything was handled peacefully. He came out, and I think he had some sort of charge. Clearly, it was dropped or something because now yeah, he's a judge. a judge. right? He passed the character and fitness <laughs> exam yeah. somehow, which I still don't understand how, because this happened during law school. <laughs> yeah, it seems
0: um, pretty damning. But
2: um, so that's Poor. his history. Again, you can think about in your own way how he could have brought in any of those past experiences to to the courtroom Mm -hmm. um the defense his name is something Herbert Herbert um now this kid this guy was a lot now have you guys seen any videos of like closing arguments or any videos
1: of? I I didn't see the the closing arguments the only thing I saw what did you feel about his demeanor
3: uh he was very jittery I mean he kept moving back and forth and then also uh always seemed to forget where his glasses were like they were, <laughs> <laughs> they were often like uh, they're always in one of two places like on the table or on the top of his head and he was constantly in, like thought they were in the wrong place so they'd be on the top of his head and he'd be like s- like sweeping around on the table looking for his glasses uh that's how you know he did it yeah. <laughs> no this is the defense uh, hey, hey, it was a joke yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, was that a joke <laughs> um, but yeah, he's um he's a former pro- police officer, right? And Ooh. he's a DePaul law school graduate. Yeah. And so he's he, a bad lawyer. Just
0: kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, DePaul.
3: Just kidding. Sorry. Go ahead. Leave it in. Um, <laughs> that's, that's staying. Huh? You know, that's staying. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, he just—I—I I don't know. It—it it seemed like. He had no physical evidence in his favor, and the videotape wasn't in his favor. So he just kept—his entire closing argument was basically going through the depositions and testimony of all the other police officers on the scene, who obviously that was what was in most his favor. But they already said that, that those were coached. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And they're clearly different than what the video says. But still, he never deviated from that story. That's the
1: dumbest argument you could take. He's never deviated from it. It was his only argument. It's his only argument. (laughs) Sure, but I mean.
2: I mean, that's why he made that, that's why the defense had that video. Because they wanted us to see from Van Dyke's perspective, right? So basically there was this video um, that I don't know how got into evidence but it's a video, it's a cartoon video animated of the shooting from Van Dyke's perspective. So what Van Dyke saw. I'm sorry, did you say a cartoon video? It was an animated video. Of <laughs> SpongeBob was in it, yeah. yeah. SpongeBob was in it, but you wouldn't know about it because you're know. so old. I just didn't like cartoons.
3: Can't I can't relate, <laughs> I still watch
2: Obviously that. neither did the jury, continue. Um, and so basically, yeah, so Yeah, we'll get into kind of the defense's arguments a little bit later. Um, So then just to introduce the um, other two key players, the prosecution, um, attorneys. Now, these were special prosecutors. Okay. So at the time when Anita Alvarez was Cook County State's Attorney, she appointed, or there was a request from the public that they didn't want Cook County touching this clearly because of Anita Alvarez's past behavior. So she appointed a special prosecutor, which was McMahon. Um, and there is him along with a few other prosecutors, um, but he was the lead one. Um, he's from Kane County, which is a Southern County from here, um, Cook County. Um, and there's a lot of pushback because he was this white boy from the suburbs, right? Like, what do you know about Chicago? What do you know about Laquan? How are you gonna be able to do this? Um, and he clearly did a good job.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, <clears throat> and then the last key player, um, the jury, um, there were 12 jurors total. Um, one was black. Three were Latino, one was Asian, and eight of the twelve were women. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the the key players there. We Richard and I were talking earlier yeah. just about um, the fact that there was only one black juror, um, and like how that could have affected things. Um, they
1: definitely, yeah, he definitely tried to use the defense attorney definitely tried to use peremptory challenges in order to have fewer black people on the jury because that's it's a it's illegal, but so you find another way to yeah, do the, it, but that's... Yeah. The Batson yeah. rule would yes. prevent that. Yeah. yeah. But he hates... If that was the makeup of the jury, and where was the jury pulled from?
2: Cook County.
1: Cook County. Then come on.
2: Yeah. Like, he clearly... So, yeah. he used all five. Isn't so, it, yeah, did it, the attorneys have five in yeah. Cook County. He used all five of them, and they were all people of color so he so, had to make up some excuse like he kept saying things like oh they're from the west side or they're from which are all legal excuses you can say right, right. geographical areas um, for it to pass like you said the bats and challenges but um, I
3: mean it's a gross move uh, but like in terms of just defense strategy, that's exactly what oh, any of exactly. um, any, any of us all, would have done. That you no, know, and, that is,
2: and that's what the law is, and that's what you do. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, you literally have to like a lot of people don't get in trouble anymore for preemptory challenges because right. you would have to be a very dumb attorney to be like, I don't want him on the jury because he's Latino.
3: Yeah. I don't know that the Batson rule has ever been used to like actually sanction an attorney. I mean it It it, has to have been if it was made
2: right Right? they wouldn't have made the rule but you think just recently it's not used often she makes a good point
0: (laughs) there
1: is a reason they created
2: this rule but
1: okay so so he he challenged five Mm -hmm. by jurors Mm -hmm. and so now there's three three latino one
2: one asian
1: one one asian one one black black and 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 that would be seven white people yes okay so that's That alone, because I think it's isn't Chicago basically a third Latino, a third black, a third white, somewhere around that. So yeah, that alone, you're showing that it's not a regular sample.
2: Yeah, and I and I honestly at first I was a little worried because you also might know that there was a um, a woman who was in the police academy who was on the jury. Okay. Um, and they kept her on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which I was confused on why the uh, prosecution didn't use a peremptory challenge for that. But um, they kept her on. And I'm happy about all of those things because it's going to help us in the future, right? People can't turn around and be like, well, they only did that because it's a jury full of black and brown people. And they only convicted him because of this. Yeah, you know? right, right. And,
3: you know, we don't it, have an OJ situation here. And, <laughs> and <laughs> we,
0: <brought that laughs> too,
2: yeah. we talked about that, which is true. And we how, all know ha- it yeah. happened, so that's that. No, but,
3: and
1: how on the 30 for 30. Already the those documentaries that they like they had jurors say that yeah it's why we let them off. Like, right. Wait a minute, yeah, oh, right. And look
2: so, at them now. Anyway.
0: Um, but look <laughs> at them now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so okay, so now we've kind of talked about the key players. Um, do we want to go into just like arguments that we heard from each side? Or? I think
3: that would be helpful for the listeners yeah okay
2: so we can start with prosecution so prosecution always has the burden of proof in these cases Mm -hmm. so they have to prove um, by an unreasonable doubt that's the burden of proof that um, Van Dyke um, intentionally...
1: Beyond a reasonable doubt, not <laughs> by an unreasonable
2: doubt. Oh, that's very different. It's
1: very clear. This is not, they don't have to prove in an unreasonable manner. Yes. Beyond all reasonable doubt. Yes, yes,
2: yes. Yeah. Um, that Van Dyke shot Laquan McDonald um, under first-degree murder. Um, and they also had um, 16 charges of aggregated battery. And one charge of official misconduct, which basically is like a police officer in the color of duty broke the law knowingly, blah mm-hmm. blah blah. blah. Um, <clears throat> so basically, they were just trying to prove all those things. Um, they used witnesses who um, were who saw the shooting that the police failed to um, interview, which I think was good for them because it shows that police, you know, again, were not doing what they should have been doing. But on the other side of that. Defense won a motion in limine, um, which is um, basically a motion in limine is like an exclusionary uh, motion that you can exclude evidence. The defense won a motion in limine saying that prosecution could never bring up a cover up of of any kind, which I found very interesting. Um, so the prosecution wasn't able to bring up any, any cover up
1: you just make it sound like there was one yeah I guess so yeah.
2: you can just allude to it um, yeah. the prosecution also used evidence of like other officers who were on the scene and they had weapons drawn and didn't use them the prosecution used the fact that the taser was like 30 seconds away um, and basically this, it's clear that he shot him right so we know it's not like a who did it situation
0: mm-hmm.
2: it really goes on to the fact of what Van Dyke's defense is and that would be self-defense right 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 and defense of others Mm -hmm. Um, so basically self-defense within a police officer is all about what a reasonable police officer at that time would do you cannot look at like hindsight bias you know what I'm saying? You have to look at what a reasonable officer in that situation would have done. You yeah. can't look you know, back and saying, oh, well, he shouldn't have done that. Right. Um, and that's something that that standard does, in fact, help officers sure. um, because they are in high-pressure situations. And looking back, it might be different, but in that situation, whether or not that person was unreasonable or not. Um, uh, I just want to yeah.
3: clarify for the listeners the difference because we touched on this a little bit between first and second second degree and this is what you're kind of talking about Mm -hmm. like so the elements of first degree murder in illinois is you have to intend to kill or do great uh bodily harm and but that's different from premeditation right and there's no mitigating factors and then the second degree would be like yes you believed that you had to uh that you had to do great bodily harm or kill but that belief was unreasonable. Right. So uh, that's going to clarify the verdict when we get there.
2: Yeah. And they actually, prosecution, not until I think the day before closing arguments, that's when they did like tell the jury, like you guys can do second degree if you want, but we're, we're looking for first. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think it a smart move. So they, the whole time they were saying first degree, first degree, first degree. Right. Um, yeah. So again, Van Dyke was trying to say, you know, a reasonable officer, in my situation would have shot Laquan just as many times as I would have done and would have done the exact same thing. Now, he used officers, he used psychologists, all of these things. um, All these people were witnesses on the stand for defense trying to say what a reasonable person in that situation would have done. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Um, Clearly, I mean, it's my opinion that a reasonable officer would not have shot somebody 16 times, six seconds of getting to the scene with a taser being 30 seconds away when you could have simply radio in how far the taser was before you even got out your car, but you failed to do that and that's not reasonable. And honestly, the jury clearly believed that, you know, or didn't believe. Does that go into
1: it or is it just the shooting, not the jumping out of the car? Sorry. Does it is it just the the shooting, or does like the whole the events leading up to it? Him driving up, him jumping out of the car. I
2: think everything leading
1: everything up. Everything leading up. Yeah. And um, then it's impossible to claim that that's what a reasonable. He wasn't acting reasonably, but. I mean, so the one part of the defense. The, there were that cops that were following him. Like you can't. That's a hard claim to make.
3: Yeah. Sorry. That. Uh, I mean, so I used to work on the fire department, and I know a lot of police officers, that have an idea of like what their training is like. So the one part of the defense that I was like, okay, maybe a little bit, is when they were demonstrating with, like, live people in the courtroom uh, what a person with a knife can
2: do. Oh, my God. Can we talk about that? Sure. How was that even, how did that even, that little reenactment come into court? Like, I am so confused on why prosecution did not object to that. This yeah, so can you stand, explain? This is the
1: one where he's standing like this and they throw the arm up. Well, and
2: wait, are you so talking about the one where he ran towards him with the Yeah, right, knife? Can you right, right. explain so, that? So what you, can,
3: you can, if you have a, a knife, which is considered a deadly weapon, you can get to a person who is standing at the distance that Jason Van Dyke was uh-huh. uh, in under like two seconds, which is not enough time to potentially squeeze off enough rounds to. Enough
1: time to squeeze off one and then shoot it 15 more times.
3: You, okay, but like. In terms of stopping the threat and um, making sure that the threat does not reach you, it's not enough time to shoot somebody enough time to put them on the ground for sure. I mean, if you shoot once and you hit them in the shoulder, they're going to keep running at you and they could potentially kill you. Yeah. So that, I was like, okay, that's persuasive, but we have to have some kind of limiting principles here. Right. Because not everybody who's standing 10 feet away from you, you can justifiably shoot. Um, and. I think that that we could even make an argument that not everybody's standing 10 feet away from you with a deadly weapon you're justified in shooting, which would be the case of Kwan McDonald. And certainly if you're gonna shoot, and this is a little bit of a different argument, if you're gonna shoot somebody with a deadly weapon who's 10 feet away from you, you don't do it 16 times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? So, I mean, I think that it's not just his use of force, which is, I think, arguable. Uh, you could say okay if he shot him twice that might be a justifiable use of force or it's we 16. might not we yeah. might not even be having a trial because he could probably have lived yeah uh, but I think it's not just the use of force it's the extent of the force which makes this yeah and his remarks before in the cruiser mm-hmm. heading to the scene where he said we're gonna have to kill this guy I mean take so take you have to have you can't get too bogged down in the individual elements. I think that because it's all these things that add up to c- create a picture of like, sure. okay, this Absolutely. is, yeah. I mean, which is, I have a hard time doing because I really get held up in, in little details. That's yeah. just the way my brain works. So when I was watching the defense and they were doing that reenactment, which I don't know how they got away with doing that. Uh, it's, it's so
2: prejudicial Yeah. and it's not accurate.
3: Yeah. Right, especially live in the, the courtroom. Like it would be one thing if they had like a tape like, a training videotape or something, but, like, uh, it's, uh, to have people, like, reenacting in front
1: yes, of you. Yes,
2: it was literally, like, a 60-year-old white guy.
3: <laughs> Running and then
1: fake stabbing. And yes. I thought that this was not, I thought, like, I remember watching that thinking, this is crazy because, one, yeah, highly prejudicial. Two, there was video. He didn't shoot at him. Like, did he? Did, he had. He didn't, it, run at he him. He didn't run at him. He didn't run at him. He had him like right. like so this, and then he even turned and ran running like. Running
2: towards him. Yeah. Um, well, if that
1: was if that was their argument, anyone could at any time could run towards a police officer right. with a knife. Like that's well, that's what I was
3: saying. Like, I mean, yeah. you can't walk around if you're a beat cop and view everybody who's ten feet away from you and be like. Might have Petit, to shoot this potential guy. Threat, <laughs> potential threat. Yeah. Right. I mean, and even if, like, they're holding a knife, like, let's say it's, like, kitchen staff and they're having a smoke break outside in the alley, and one of them has, like, a knife in his apron. Like, you, you look at him and be like, this dude could kill me in under 10, 10 seconds, two seconds, so I might have to shoot him 16 times. Like, yeah, he <laughs> could be yeah. holding the knife. It's an insane right, argument, right? Right. right.
2: But, and he was saying that, you know, a reasonable officer at that time would have wanted to make sure that Laquan didn't go into the neighboring establishments. That's why I said earlier you know, that there was a Burger King and something on the street. But at the end of the day, yes, there was a Burger King on the side closest to the police. But the side that was closest to Laquan had a fence. Yeah. And that's where Laquan was going. Yeah, he right. was going towards the fence. He wasn't going towards an establishment full of people that a reasonable police officer would have stopped somebody from going into. Right. Right?
3: Um, we should also mention that not only did they withhold the dash cam footage for a year, but they also stole and like commandeered the Burger King security camera. Footage. I think that was dis-
1: I think that was disproven actually. Oh, was yeah, it? they tried to they tried to that was like a theory that was going around. I think they actually disproved that 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 they they would try to go into the Burger King and take the security cameras. I think that um, it ended up being that, that Burger King I'm not positive about this and we might need to look this up, but I think that it was something like that Burger King had cameras that didn't record and they were just there as like oh, um, deterrent. yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, interesting. yeah. And they tried to say that they went in and stole the footage, but as it turns out there's never footage because they're just there to <laughs> So like, I actually <laughs> had that. So I was an RA yeah in yeah. undergrad uh-huh.
2: and I had the security camera that I put in our kitchen, cause all of my residents were just leaving their nasty, gross dishes in the sink and it was smelling so bad. So I had this fake security camera that was just battery operated that you, the light would just blink. <laughs> Nothing was happening. And I got into so much trouble by my by my hall director saying, you can't do that, you can't record students. I'm like, it's fake.
0: <laughs> but hey, they
2: started washing those dishes. So.
3: Brilliant actually, that's brilliant.
2: Um, Okay, so...
1: Um, Wait, no. I was wrong. Alvarez says uh, said forensic testing was done on surveillance footage from a Burger King restaurant close to where the shooting took place to determine if the video had been, quote, tampered with. Prison testing was done uh, on the Burger King surveillance system to determine if anyone tampered with the evidence, and the testing did not reveal any such evidence. So... Um, the 86 minutes of video, missing videos, runs from 9:13 to 10:39 p.m. According to the lawyers, McQuay McDonald was shot at 9:50, and this is a, this is an old article because yeah, this sure sounds
3: tampered with. Yeah. But anyway, well, well let's just keep going. For
1: some reason, I, yeah the FBI yeah. found that the video was not altered within the little Kawhi McDonald case. It just, it, the video m- cameras must have been on like a timer or something. Mm. Yeah, but there was, it, yeah. It ended up it ended up being that they didn't tamper with it.
2: Sounds fishy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, one other thing I wanted to mention about defense strategy. Right. So you all have taken evidence, correct? I'm in um, right now. But. So there's this rule in evidence that yes. you cannot use character evidence. Um, for propensity, saying that you cannot use anyone's evidence of their character, whether it's, um, like, who they are as a person or past acts. You can't use that to prove that in the future you're going to be acting the same way you have in the past. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times this is good, you know, as defense attorneys, you know, they don't want prosecutors to be using all of this bad evidence, you know, someone got in trouble in the past or whatever, whatever, because that could ruin their case. There's this rule that defense attorneys can use um, that is called, it's in 4042, that um, you can use evidence of an alleged victim's trait. Um, And so... Of their trait? Yes. So actually, the prosecutors usually use this, but the defense in this situation uses it. So you can use evidence of an alleged victim's pertinent trait so that means that prosecutors during this whole or defense attorneys during this whole trial were able to bring in all of kwan's past issues were able to bring in the fact that he was on pcp at the time were able to bring in all of his past record stuff because you're able to do that with evidence under the federal rules of evidence huh. now this is the federal rules now there's a similar rule an Illinois law. Um, and that's why they were able to do it. But I just think that's crazy. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Generally, it does make sense. But in this situation...
1: He was... Okay. I forgot the part that he on, was on PCP at the time. Yeah. Yeah, had they not had this dash cam footage, that
3: couple had gotten off. Right. That's all you had? Like, yeah. Okay, sorry. That was... Uh, yeah, I, w- I kept wondering that throughout the trial how they were really able to harp on the fact that he was on PCP when clearly, given the video evidence, there's no way you could have made an assessment that he was on PCP just given his
2: actions in the video. So Van Dyke all okay. So Van Dyke testified, which is huh, another thing. Like I don't know yeah, why. I was stunned by that. It yeah. was and it was an awful testimony. Yeah. Um. And it was a bad cross too. Both sides they could have done better. But. Um, was that
1: his, Was that Laquan's parents that? afterwards were like, did he start crying after the first shot because he cried on the stand? (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, that was...
2: (laughs) Oh my God, those crocodiles were, And that's what the jury said. They said they weren't buying it. They weren't buying his canned story on the stand. But on the the stand, he kept saying that Laquan had these bugged out eyes, right? And that he knew. And that you (laughs) knew that he was on PCP because his bugged out eyes and the way that he was staring at you. What? I stare at people a lot. and and ways that probably make them want to shoot me. (laughs) But you don't see me going around shooting everybody.
1: We would know if Nancy Pelosi was doing PCP all the time, and she's got those eyes always. She does have those eyes. Always. Her eyes
2: are always on fire. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) do they get dry often? (laughs) Like, does she need eye drops?
3: Alexandria. Okay, okay. she's got it (laughs) too. Oh, yeah, she does have it (laughs) too. Yeah. Um,
2: but, yeah, so um, that's kind of what defense was arguing. Um, do you guys have any other things you want to add about, like, arguments that folks were using?
1: Uh, no, I just I saw, like, slight – I saw some of the testimony from him. I thought it was nuts that they put him on the stand. But I saw his testimony, and it was just so coached and so – you could clearly tell, like – Tell that this is the and the raw emotion that he was trying to show was clearly disingenuous
3: that I I didn't understand why they would have even put him on the stand. I mean, you gotta know when you have a bad witness. Yeah. Right? I mean, even if he was telling the absolute truth, he just came across as disingenuous. I mean, and he was so emotional on the stand, but then sat there stone faced when the verdict was read. I was like, what is this guy's deal? I don't know. Like if there's one moment where you should show a little emotion, it's like, oh, I'm going to jail. It's I like think a- his
1: attorneys, before they went in, were like, you're guilty. They're, they're going to find you guilty. You yeah. need to, you but need to his start-
2: attorney, his attorney, when he found out, was like, yeah. So I was like, oh, so this must be news to you, though. Because he did, like, do, I did a whole shake. The attorney, my head thing. yeah, right. <laughs> the, attorney might, the
1: attorney might have been faking it, though. Yeah. True. Like, the You're attorney, right. yeah, the attorney do ex theatrical so that him sitting there, stoic, isn't showing any emotion in, in case for appeal or something like that. But I think he would have been like, look, I think we've got a guilty verdict. You need to start preparing yourself and do not show any emotion when they read down the verdict.
2: You know what? That's true because when I didn't make Homecoming Queen in high school, (laughs) my mom worked at my high school and she told me.
3: It's the exact same thing. Yeah. 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 I'd say those are identical situations. basically the same situation. (laughs) I was angry when I didn't get Homecoming Queen.
2: (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. So um, basically the jury wasn't buying it. Um, and we know that by the verdict, which yeah. should we just dovetail into yeah. that? Okay, yeah. Okay, so the
1: verdict was he was guilty of second-degree murder mm-hmm. Yeah. of, what was it, 16, 16 counts of aggravated assault? Battery. Ba- aggravated battery with yeah. a firearm? Yes. That's a yeah. And then...
2: And then the not guilty of the official misconduct.
1: What, ha- what needed to be done to get official misconduct?
2: So, apparently, it's, like, I think the mens rea issue of it and the lack of intent. So, basically, there's this, like... Intent that you have to have to break the law,
0: and
2: and I agree with the jury. I don't know if it was proven during trial that he had an intent to, you know, break the law and policies of, you know, blase, blase, blase.
1: In that case, if you were just trying to mitigate the sentence, his defense attorneys might have done a pretty good job, because I don't know how long he's going to go to jail for, but. Uh, I've heard that it's that by law the aggravated assault has to run concurrent. Oh, that's
2: run concurrent. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, who
3: who'd you hear that from? Hold on, Uh, because
2: I did not think they. I was reading the sentence and
3: guidelines, and it seems a little bit more because the category uh, four, Uh, category
1: X, and one have to be uh,
3: consecutive and. Here, go yo, yo, All right, go. well, my understanding was because he had aggravating factors that he was also convicted of, include like, the second-degree murder charge, that there was more leniency on the sentencing. Um, and the fact that it was with a deadly weapon that caused serious bodily injury, uh, that that would be another aggravating factor that would allow the judge to... Sentenced consecutively. I mean, because with the minimum sentencing for second degree and aggravated battery, yeah, he if if they run concurrently, I'm pretty sure that the uh, it says here, mandatory consecutive reads as follows:
1: consecutive terms mandatory. The court shall impose a consecutive sentences in each of the following circumstances. Number one, when one of the offenses for which the defendant was convicted was first-degree murder or a Class X or Class 1 felony, and the defendant inflicted serious or severe bodily injury. So was second-degree murder Class X or Class 1?
3: Yes, yes. Okay, so it's... It's, uh, So it's obvious that the second-degree and the aggravated battery charge charges have to run consecutively. But the question is, does... Uh, assault, I mean, I'm sorry, aggravated battery with a deadly weapon. I think that that would almost have to be in a different class than just aggravated battery.
1: Yeah, I think it gets, but then it gets into the act. Was it 16 separate acts or was it one act? Well, he was convicted on 16 separate He was convicted acts. on 16 counts, but when it comes to sentencing, is it one act or is it, or because it was convicted of 16 different things or 16 different assault, or aggravated battery counts, would it be that he was convicted of 16 separate incidents or is it one act, 16 shots, 16 counts? Because if it's if they determine it's one act, 16 counts, then they run concurrently.
3: If it's, I don't know, that's, anyway. Mm. Uh,
1: so, They're gonna have a whole
2: trial for this, so.
3: Yeah, but like <laughs> with, with the yeah. ma- mandatory minimums for each, he could potentially be out like within a decade and a half. Yeah, right. So you get to kill somebody with sixteen shots and get out in a decade and a half. Yeah,
2: I think he's gonna. I, I think he's gonna do eight. I say eight years, max. Honestly, I, that's how I feel. About if it. they I, if they
1: go cons- concurrent, yes. If they go consecutive, it's a minimum. They go consecutive just on the aggravated battery. It's a minimum ninety six. So <laughs> I yeah. think he's looking eight because it's yeah. wait.
2: So for second degree, it's four to twenty. Yeah. yeah. Or probational, which yeah. is something people don't know, that he could get probation.
1: Uh, yeah, but I don't think that that's going to happen. He yeah. gets probation, the city goes The city goes
3: nuts. Uh, absolutely bonkers, yeah, yeah. because it's, the whole verdict is basically nullified. Yeah. He hasn't done any time served. He's been out on bond. Yeah. Right. So yeah, Which they revoked.
2: Yeah, they did revoke. So he's yeah. in jail right now.
3: Yeah, but the trial starts to the end of the month. Yeah, it starts
2: on Halloween, which is kind the of trial,
0: <laughs>
3: the trial for the Spooky. sentencing. For the sentencing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it starts uh-huh. on
2: Halloween. And then Aberrated battery six to thirty. Right. clearly not probational. So I'm like, oh no, he's doing eight to twelve. If if, yeah, if if they well, run concurrent. yeah, if we figure out the concurrent yeah the I think thing.
1: so too I think I think he's gonna 10,
2: do about eight yeah, to twelve. I would, I was maybe 10 to fifteen, but
0: yeah.
2: Maybe do half, actually he's gonna get Okay, that's what he's gonna get sentenced to, and maybe actually do half of whatever it is
3: uh, with good behavior. You that's that's crazy to me. That like he spends less time in me. jail for killing Laquan McDonald than Laquan McDonald got to spend on Earth. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy.
2: Say that, but that's the society <laughs> Wait, that we was, live in. How old was Laquan McDonald? 17. Seventeen.
1: Yeah. Well, no, he spent more. I'm go, I'm I'm sticking to the detail. That's it's not an important point, but he he would spend. Less, but McDonald would have been a lot more than he would fit. That's exactly jail. what I yeah. said. He spends
3: less time in jail. Yeah. For killing McQuar McDonald,
1: yes. yeah. McDonald has been up. a lie. Right, well, then I misheard you and I got that point wrong. It was, <laughs> it, it was, it was, a, it was a dumb. Wow. It, Richard it is a, wrong. It was a dumb detail for me to harp on. Richard is still waking up. Richard wrong. <laughs> still waking up. Still up. up. Um, <laughs>
0: uh,
2: but I don't know. We'll see. I mean, the jury initially, which I find it interesting, seven initially said not, or seven initially said guilty. Three said not guilty and two said undecided. So I'm, all, I'm thinking about those five total that were like kind of not sure what changed them.
3: I don't know. know. They got there in less than a day, you know? I mean, yeah. that was a quick turnaround. Yeah. <laughs> and off the bat,
2: you know, seven. Yeah. That's more than half of the right. jury were trying to convict him. Right. Um, which I think is interesting and apparently all the interviews that I've heard the, the jury members say that they've all exchanged numbers and had this like mutual respect for each other other oh, buddies oh, yeah, yeah they have a slack and, <laughs> and, and they have like a group meet no, um, I think that would be illegal if they had a group meet probably yeah. <laughs> um, especially during trial yeah. one of the jury um, members were saying like someone was reading the paper next to her on the train and she had to get off and go to the next train mm-hmm. you know because, um, yeah. you know, they can't. you're not allowed to, like, have yeah. yeah, the outside right. information. Yeah. Right, right. Um, but, yeah, the police union has already said that they're trying to appeal. So that's interesting. That's, yeah. Well, I think we already knew uh, that it, this was going to happen. I knew that
1: they were going to try to appeal the second they got the... Uh, how, yeah. how the do fraternal you think? order? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: How do you think that's going to play out?
1: Appeal? Yes. I didn't follow the case close enough, so I don't know.
2: I just don't know what they would appeal on, right? Right, yeah. It has to be something raised. Right. During trial, in order to for it to be appealed, so mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not sure of many of the.
1: Police immunity. Uh, you can't get, been... you can't
2: get immunity for a criminal, only civil. Yes. Yeah. Really. Yes. Hmm.
3: And even if that was a viable de- defense, it would have had been asserted at trial. Well, yeah yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, I think they would have asserted that at the beginning in the in
2: so I don't know. We'll see. I mean, there definitely going to be some sort of appellate brief that we'll be reading. So. Yes, yeah, definitely. <laughs> right.
3: Uh, I don't know. Uh, we'll have to. We'll have to wait and see, because I can't see where new evidence would come up in this trial. I can't see. I don't remember there being any serious objections that I. They on find the de- that Burger King video. On the defense's part. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the craziest thing is that if the, if it existed, the cops would want it because the. Burger King was behind Jason Van Dyke. So that would theoretically be an angle from his perspective. Mm, and they wouldn't have even had to Better than it. this,
2: Yeah, than Dash- the animation. The SpongeBob video? Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't know how, you, how the hell that got in, but...
2: Yeah. Hey,
3: well. So, uh, is there more that you have? No, no I just I mean, think that
2: this is like a really important case for Chicago. Yeah, let's talk I'm, about
3: the the... The effect of this. Yeah,
2: I'm so excited um, about the effect because I think that now people feel better about being black people in Chicago. And I know that might sound crazy, but it's just, I think people are going to feel like now officers are going to be held accountable, right? Mm -hmm. Um, This is one
3: of the first times that one of these cases has gone to trial and yeah. there's conviction Yes, yeah. this
2: is like not only big for Chicago and yeah. Illinois but for the whole nation yeah. right? I think that Chicago is going to be although you know we all know how jurisdiction works and can't really take this situation and apply it to other, other counties and stuff but still I think Chicago is going to be this um, I don't know not I don't know the word I'm looking for uh, but just a place that we can look to see that this Happened and this worked, and mm-hmm. we can hold police, accountable, uh, police officers accountable for their actions, um, and it's going to be okay, and yeah, so I'm I'm happy about the about the verdict.
3: Yeah, I mean I think going off what you said that this definitely provides a template for how a community could approach something like this, and uh, and by that I mean the the arrest and the trial, not the stuff that happened in the intervening year between that, but. Uh, <laughs> I think that this shows that it can be done um
1: yeah the walter scott we were talking about this earlier the, the walter scott one in south carolina with the cop with the officer or the with walter scott running away and the officer shot him in, in the, the back. back yeah yeah that one i just looked up he uh i know that, that was a guilty verdict he was charged with murder and then subsequent in may 2017 With a plea agreement, he pled guilty to federal charges of civil rights violation. Uh, In return for his guilty plea, the state's murder charges were dropped. And in December 2017, he was sentenced to 20 years in prison, with the judge determining the underlying offense was second-degree murder. Mm. So the so the the civil the state charges were dropped. The federal charges were upheld. So that was uh, and that the when you see the Laquan McDonald video, it's in the Walter Scott videos, they're both very obvious. That because there's a there's been a few cases where it, there's a gray area. These are very obvious. Like and especially, what's the who's the guy? And was it St. Louis? Botham Jean? They broke. Oh, into,
2: that was uh,
1: Texas. Texas, yeah, well, Dallas. Went into his apartment. She said it was. She thought it was her. First off, nobody mistakes their apartment, but she thought it was her apartment that she'd gone into yes. and then shot him dead. And then the local police, that was one of the things that I'm i am proud of everyone's reaction to it because I haven't seen anything. When they when the police department released the whole, uh, they saw that he was growing marijuana in his yeah. apartment, and everyone was like, oh, so that's okay that you broke yeah. into his apartment and yeah. killed him. Ooh, yeah, I yeah. mean, I think... That. And then and then said you thought it was yours and that was that and everyone that I've heard every pundit I've heard left or right has been like that is not an excuse to That's, act as it, she crazy. did. it's yeah.
2: crazy. Yeah,
3: I mean the left is obviously concerned about the the race and the civil rights components and then the people the conservatives that i've been listening to who commentate on that they're like you can't come into my private property and kill me (laughs) oh right (laughs) like these two yeah so like everybody like everyone's mad yeah everyone's mad mad and everyone has something different that they can add to the injustice of the narrative um
1: that's the that's where i'm really liking the conservative commentators that are like you're allowed I don't give a damn what you do in your apartment by yourself. I don't care if he was growing forty pounds of weed. If he wasn't threatening my life, you can do whatever the hell you want in your apartment. Yeah. And that's where the libertarians are coming in, they're like, This this guy, this woman's gotta go. This,
2: <laughs> this is this is one of the
1: most obvious cases of shootings I've
2: ever she's seen. She's
3: been she's been charged, right? Yeah. 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 And um, her
2: name's Amber, which is really gross. Sorry about oh, that. Oh God. Yes. Tarnishing
3: so. a good name.
2: Yes. No no relation.
3: So I think that this case was really important Laquan McDonald's uh case because I think that this is the beginning of maybe having a little bit more accountability because at the moment we're kind of painting in these broad brushstrokes Mm -hmm. like only the most heinous and obvious cases are the ones that getting
1: guilty verdicts yeah
3: right so I mean it only through time and more practice can we refine our ability to go in and, and see instances of uh Misconduct and, and be able to identify the hallmark traits. So, I mean, yeah. you have to start broad and then you can get more narrow and exacting. And I think so, so I, it's a good step forward. I obviously agree with the verdict, um, yeah. even though I am usually sympathetic to police officers. But uh, in this case, it's just so obvious and so disgusting. And I mean, I, I, I think that there's uh, good things to come hopefully the city can start to heal. Mm.
0: Yeah.
2: And I think that there is definitely a correlation between police brutality and then also community violence. I think that once we start having a better relationship with the police, we're going to want to be policed we're going to want to help the police and that means that violence will decrease Mm -hmm. but right now there is no connection between the community and the police Mm -hmm. and it's all bad vibes and until that that relationship gets better we're still going to have awful violence in our communities Mm -hmm. um so i'm really hoping that like you said that that this does really change our community
3: i I do too i think that's a positive note to end on and on that Amber, thank you for coming on. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks
2: for having me. He rocks in the treetop all day long, hopping and a bopping and a
0: singing his song. All the little birds on Jaybird Street love to hear the robin go tweet tweet tweet. Rockin' Robin, tweet tweet tweet. Rockin'
3: Robin. You've been listening to Dialogue de Novo. Until next time, thanks for hearing us out. Dialogue De Novo is produced by Richard Labovitz and Jacob Rome. Executive producers Richard Labovitz and Jacob Rome. Supervising producer Michael Kaufman. Technical producers Richard Labovitz and Jacob Rome. Edited by Richard Labovitz. Audio mixed by Richard Labovitz and Jacob Rome. Music written by Jimmy Thomas. Music performed by Bobby Day. Dialogue De Novo is a Loyola University
1: Chicago School of Law student-initiated capstone project, founded by Richard Labovitz
0: and Jacob Rome. Technical production made possible by SoundCloud. Copyright 2018.